These are primal forces of evil that we're dealing with. Some forces I don't even understand yet. I think I'm at risk. Events like the flux create ripples through time. It will have been foreseen somewhere by some smart people. You need to figure out that date and help the Earth. Pattern optimization in progress. We've been in this decades for three years now. Do you think we'll ever get back? Governance the Tulipara fleet. Earth's shield is now breachable. How do you expect to protect this pitiful race? I do not know. You seem remarkably proficient in this, Miss Khan. There's no use being squeamish. We've got the future to save. Can you feel the time force growing? It's working. Just as we planned. The Disgusting Network presents Discussing Who, a Doctor Who podcast. I am Kyle Jones, and this is episode 262, where we will be reviewing Survivors of the Flux. Now, before I go further, I need to say, if you have not seen Survivors of the Flux, put us on pause, go out, watch the episode, come back, because from this moment forward, spoilers. 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 Spoilers? What spoilers? And I killed Sparky too. (laughs) And welcome everyone again. We're glad that you're here. And as Lee Shackelford always says, you didn't have to do it. So greetings and hallucinations to you, Mr. Shackelford. How are you, my friend? Very good. Very good. And uh, as you quite rightly say, I... I'm always mindful of the fact that people listening to this could be doing something else, but they've chosen to spend some time with us, and we're very grateful. Very grateful indeed, and even more grateful because we are coming off of Thanksgiving. We're right out as of the time of recording. We're the week after Thanksgiving, and as always, I am thankful to be able to spend time with the two of you, not Lee Shackelford and Lee Shackelford number two, but Lee Shackelford and Clarence Brown. Clarence, my friend, how are you? I'm doing great. No acid reflux to report, you know, after all that Thanksgiving <laughs> stuff. But yeah, I'm doing good, man. Doing good. Awesome. Well, I'm curious to know, and that's why we're here tonight, are we having flux reflux or are we still enjoying it and i'm anxious to get into it hence why i went ahead and threw out the spoiler warning so i say let me just talk about what this episode is give it some details and we will get right into the fun survivors of the flux is the fifth episode of the 2021 series of doctor who commonly referred to as Flux. It aired on the 28th of November, 2021, starring Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor, Mandip Gill as Yasmin Khan, and John Bishop as Dan Lewis. The episode features the return of Gemma Redgrave as Kate Stewart. Summary view, Clarence Brown, I want to start with you. Summary view, what say ye? Man, I love this episode. It's one of my favorite of the season so far. And, you know, quite frankly, one of my favorites of Jodie Whittaker slash Chibnall's run. I just, it had everything. 
Now, I know that it may challenge some people on (laughs) where it goes with the history and the lore of the doctor. But overall, I I loved seeing the companions go off and do their thing. And I love the reveals that we got with the doctor. And I do feel like it hints at a lot of other um, IPs out there on some of the storylines, but just because a storyline or an element was used in another franchise doesn't mean it can't be used here. So I'm I'm loving everything that I'm seeing on screen. I just wish we would have got something like this a whole lot sooner. I have started looking forward to this six-parter being over so that I can watch it as a almost six-hour movie. Mm. Does that make sense? I really want to go back to the beginning and see it all in continuity because I I found myself getting impatient with this one. And I, I was just listening to our episode for the review of the previous episode. And, you know, and this is where, uh, Kyle, you were uh, asking about Belle. Why are we wasting time with her? I, I'm now starting to, to share that question about a lot of things. I'm thinking this had better pay off somewhere because we're spending a great deal of time with the Grand Serpent. And we now have so many threads going that I'm starting to call no way that this next hour is going to tie them all together. Unless, and somebody on social media was just uh, pondering this just today, the doctor's going to get a hold of her fob watch. It's going to unlock uh, all of her past lives and she'll gain godlike powers and she'll be able with the snap of her fingers to put everything back the way it is at the end. <laughs> In which case, I'm going to throw something at the screen because it's really hard to imagine something besides that kind of deus ex machina that's going to get us out of all this in the next hour. But we're deliberately, I mean, Chibnall is deliberately adding fuel to the yeah. fire of all these different plot threads, they're going further and further apart instead of coming towards what appears to be a conclusion. He may pull it off. I just, Mm. right now, I just found myself getting weary of keeping track of things. And it's like, whatever. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking. Even though I did really love the episode, I was Mm. thinking that if they don't have a elegant explanation for all of this in the end, I'm probably going to be furious because <laughs> they have me hooked. I mean, uh, so many good things coming about, but I just, if they don't stick the landing, it's yeah. that that's everything right there. It's, <laughs> that's it. Mm. I know the, the next episode is going to halfway through. Yaz is going to wake up in her bed in the TARDIS and say, I had the most terrible nightmare. <laughs> Mm. Or she's going to be in the shower and, you know. Yes. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> well, no. So, so before I ask a question, I'm going to say I'm not going to, ex- I'm not expecting a resolution, literally. And the reason I'm not is remember when we were first hearing about this season, it was supposed to be eight episodes and we were supposed to be getting a full length special in 2022 and then it became a six-part story with two specials and a feature length in 2022 (sighs) i don't think it's going to give a resolution that's that's my guess so i'm not going to be personally disappointed Mm. because i don't expect it i will be surprised if we get it but i'm not it. Does that make sense? But, but is it is it not a six part story? 
it hasn't that that's w- what it's being marketed as. well that's yes. what it has to be either it's that or it's not th- yeah. oh, oh i agree yeah. a million percent but i'm i'm just throwing that out but let me ask you guys a question before i give what i thought do you guys think i enjoyed it or do you guys think i didn't hmm. Yeah, you got me. I'm going to say you probably didn't because of the knowing you and how you feel about the implications of what these Chibnall stories mean to the lore of the doctor. I think you wouldn't like it, but you may yet surprise me. (laughs) So I'm going to say this. There is a part of a speculation that I've already mentioned and we'll go back to it in a bit, but just on the revelations that we received this episode, I am really, for the first time with these five episodes, enjoying Jodie Whittaker's Doctor. I'm actually in that mindset of, I'm going to be sad to see her go, which is something that I've not felt before during her reign. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm actually also good with... The revelations we got about Division, and I'm also good with the revelations that we got about her as the Doctor, even though I know this pretty much, you know, like, gels it, it solidifies it. I'm excited to see, hopefully, next uh, week, this last episode, I'm hoping we'll see Joe Martin again. So I give credit to Joe Martin for me saying I'm embracing it. I thought it was a good episode. And overall, summary view for me, I enjoyed it. There. That's my thoughts. Let me ask you guys a question. Let's talk about Yaz, Dan, and Professor Jericho. And I just want to talk about it in general. We'll get into details, but generalization, the parts with Yaz, Dan, and Professor Jericho, what were your thoughts on those scenes. Lee, why don't you take it first? I had to go back and watch the beginning of it again because I thought I've obviously really missed something important. And I went back and uh, I'm still missing it. We've dropped whatever it was they were doing before. And now, inexplicably, they're looking for someone who can explain what the writing on a (laughs) particular pot means. (laughs) And it's supposed to tell them when the world ends. Surely we, we already know when the world ends, don't we? Mm-hmm. And, and knowing that, so what? They, that doesn't mean they can stop it. So I don't understand what any of that is about. And we spend a lot of time with it. And a lot of it is very interesting to watch, but huh? I will double down on what Lee said. Other than I did enjoy those moments of seeing those three work together and Yaz effectively being the doctor in that dynamic, it all goes to say why. And again, like you said, Lee, I didn't get the whole, oh, the Mayans can predict stuff. So let's go to Mayan temple and get the get a pot that's going to tell us when the end of the world is. What? Yeah, we're into a sort of welcome to Night Vale territory here, too, because th- this story includes two myths, which are simply not true. And it has our characters taking them seriously. And one is that the the Great Wall of China is the only man-made object that's visible from space. That's not true. And it's a thing that people say, but our characters ought to know better. And the other thing is about the Mayas predicting the future and talking about the end of the world. That is not true. 
that the, the whole kerfuffle about that was because there's a Maya calendar that only calculated up to 2012. Yeah. Made 600 years ago. It didn't mean that there wasn't going to be any time after that. It just it meant that anyway. somebody got tired of making whatever that was that they were making. Whatever those calculations, which were astoundingly accurate. But yeah, they predicted all that for hundreds of years in the future and then stopped. You know, that that's all that it meant. So I was I was really I was disappointed to see Doctor Who sort of taking those things seriously. Usually the show thinks better of its audience than that. I also think on the whole Great Wall leave a message for Cavanista thing. Like, isn't Doctor Who all about the earth and preserving nature? And we basically just destroyed a whole forest to send a message. <laughs> right. Like, what? <laughs> Desperate times. I guess. <laughs> 1907. Yes. So this was the only cringe moment that I had in the entire episode the scene of them going to find this guy on a hill or a guy on a mountain for advice and et cetera and so forth, it was cringeworthy to me. I loved the interaction between Yaz, Dan, and J Professor Jericho, but that scene was so cheesy that it just fell flat to me. Oh, I agree. It didn't fit. This entire story was supposed to be so cerebral because we're finding out things about the Doctor and Time Lord lore that are monumental, earth-shaking, program-changing facts. We've got this moment of the actor who played the cheesy character did an awesome job, but it just took me out of the story for a minute and I think our friend Nicole made a similar comment about that as well. It just was like, are we supposed to think this is funny? And it really wasn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it felt painfully like it was trying to be funny. Yeah, yeah. I, I noted with some pleasure Nicole's comment about that, saying, I guess this is supposed to be their funny episode. Because, <laughs> yeah. And I said, yeah, apparently. And it wasn't. So, Nicole, you were spot on. Mm. Well, yeah. I don't think it bothered me as much. It, it wasn't very funny, I will just say that, but it didn't bother me as much. If it was me on a mountain and hadn't talked to people for years, I would just be... <laughs> I wouldn't be able to talk, Harley. Yeah. And this dude is just the joy right. of the party. Yes. What? Yeah, and, and we do depend on those Professor Yaz and Dan moments for the, I guess, lightheartedness of this entire story. I think each of their sequences were mostly like lighthearted and fun, I thought. Uh, but yeah, that one was somewhat cringe, but still, it didn't bother me as much as I think it did you guys. I will swing it to the positive and say, this is another showcase that Mandip Gill is receiving that I wish she would have received two years ago. And I know I sound like every week a broken record. Wow, she is good, because I really enjoyed her playing the in control and i think it was um clarence that you referenced she played the doctor role in that and she did it so well yes yes she certainly did um really enjoyed her and i think all of the those three performances were really really strong and fun yeah so i, I just totally i totally agree with that she was great one more question before i make a comment and we move on from these three which is 
Why didn't anyone think about the candle? Meaning, they're breaking into something to find a pot, and there is a candle that is lit in the room, and nobody mm. makes a comment that this encased room has a live burning candle in it. Thoughts? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, the same, same thought. I, I was waiting for us to find out who else is in the room. Wow. And then we didn't. You guys are totally changing my opinion of this episode because I didn't even notice that. <laughs> See what you've done. Mm. See what you've done. <laughs> yeah. let's, let, let's say one other thing that I, I, I did find interesting about them, which was I did like the fact that it ends their story. It brings them in contact with the guy that made the tunnels. They get in the tunnels and they're explaining how he's going from all these different scenes and appearing because of what's happening in these tunnels. So that I did appreciate. I thought that was cool. Yeah, the whole tunnel thing is a... I'm sure it's been in other stories, but that's a ripoff of this show called Dark on Netflix. This German time travel show. I guess that might be a slight spoiler, but it's all about it's all about going through a tunnel to different time periods. And that's exactly what they're mm -hmm. doing here. So, well, and of course, when I was growing up, there was a show called The Time Tunnel. Really? So, uh -huh. yeah, none of that is is new, but mm. yeah. <laughs> Although I do love this spin on it to tie in something real, the, the real mysterious tunnels under uh, Liverpool, and and to now make this sort of a fanciful explanation that if you if you had followed them, if you'd gone through them at the right time, you'd come out on another planet. Oh, interesting. That, Are they called the Williamson Tunnels? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Wow, hmm. that's cool. Yep. As we move on, I want to talk just really briefly about Vendor and Bell Pepper. What is the name of <laughs> the actor it. who plays that character? Daddy Graham, isn't that? Uh, <laughs> yes, Daddy Graham, yeah. Okay, so let me apologize to her because it is in no way, shape, form, or fashion that my dislike of this character has anything to do with her. I think she's a great actor, and I've seen her in other stuff, but this particular mm -hmm. character really just irritates the dickens out of me. <laughs> that being said, that's why I'm calling her Bell Pepper. But, all right, so I'm going to give my thought first, and I want to get you guys' thoughts. So she's going to this place that looks like an abandoned something. And again, another thing that was just too obvious for me. Yes, she's stolen a Lupari vessel. Yes, it's being recalled, and it is, you know, she's warping out of there the idea of her disappearing right as vendor appears what did you guys think of that because i just thought that that was just a little too convenient what did you guys think eh, you can only do that too many so many times this is the second time that they've kind of missed in passing you know miss each other in passing yeah so i think it was very much less effective and borderline just cheesy in a way this time because I, I believed it a lot more in the last sequence, but how are they slightly missing each other, you know, now? Yeah. Yeah. Why does it keep happening, apparently? Yeah. This big old universe. <laughs> yep. And admittingly, maybe they're trying to do it because the universe isn't as big anymore. Mm -hmm. Good point. So maybe I'm being a little, you know, too harsh. 
am I being too harsh on this character? Because you guys know why I don't like the idea of bail, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, but I, I would have traded the uh, the Raiders of the Lost Ark stuff for, for Bell in this episode. And more Vendor. I mean, Vendor is barely in it this time. I don't know. It, it just seems like the proportion of what we are accustomed to as an audience of what should be happening in a fifth episode of six is just all off. It's just all over the place. So let me ask you guys a question. Let me, let me just tear the band-aid off the womb that may not be mm-hmm. here yet or etc and so forth and i made a reference at the beginning whenever i said i really enjoyed this episode even though it sounds like i didn't i actually really did but if my speculation and what it seems like a lot of people are speculating is true then th- that's going to be like salt on an open wound to me because i don't want to know the doctor's parentage and i have this gut feeling that that's where Chibnall is going. Do you guys uh, please disagree and, you know, that I'm wrong and all this stuff, but do you guys agree or or what are your thoughts? I'm going to disagree. And I could totally be wrong on this, of course, but they already established that the doc, the the child version of the doctor came through that portal which the wormhole, which leads to the adjacent universe, unless somehow Bell and Vendor wind up in the adjacent universe, which is quite possible. And I don't think their child could be the, the, the doctor, but who knows? I mean, we are, you know, going back and establishing a lot of this stuff right now. So it could very well be, but I hope not. Um, at this point, I just don't know. I did. I got to share that, um, on IMDB right now, if you, uh, you look at um, the, you know, uh, people write, you know, capsule descriptions of what they've seen and post them on the IMDb. And there is a spoiler warning. You kind of have to look for it. But if you're not looking for it, you'll just go, here's just a storyline. And what someone has written that's up as as we record this is, while the doctor confronts her mother between universes old and new. <laughs> and I, I read that and was like, dude. <laughs> uh <laughs> At least, at least bury the lead. Uh, get that down there a little bit. But yeah, the doctor confronts her mother. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I still don't know what to think about the whole timeless child thing. I, whether or not we're gonna, that Chibnall's gonna have blown this balloon up and then pop it at the end uh, on his way out the door. I just, I, I don't know. I love how we do this. I love that we have a rhythm because you just like went exactly where I wanted to go to next, which is Chibnall Mm -hmm. and Unit. So I have two very well-crafted, at least in my opinion, well-crafted questions. One for you, Lee, and an equal one for Clarence. So Lee, I want to take your question first, Mm. and I want to get your writer's point of view. So here's what I want you to imagine in your head. You're working on a property, and let's say that property is Sherlock Holmes, something you might know a little bit about. You've been a fan of Sherlock Holmes for many, 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 many years. So you are able to work on the property proper. Let's say that you've been commissioned to write a new book, a new set of Sherlock Holmes mysteries. And you remove something that has been tied firmly to Sherlock lore. 
And for the sake of sake, I'm just going to say the 221B Baker Street residence. Yeah. Knowing when you do it that it might anger fans because you're taking away something that is a part of the tapestry of Sherlock Holmes. It may not be integral, but it is fondly remembered by fans old and new. But your end game, you say, is to take it away and bring it back later with fanfare. In your opinion, from your history of everything you've done, is this wise and would you do this? Well, after seeing all of elementary, I would say, hell yes, because it worked, didn't it? I loved elementary, so. Yeah, and and one of the things it did was take away 221B. But then in the, at the very end, spoiler, we brought it back again. So, so yeah, mm-hmm. certainly. If I, if I knew that was the, the long game. But I'm not sure that you can compare them, though, because... <laughs> no, and, and you're um, right. Maybe the because house Because Doctor Who that- is... No, no. 221 is, is crucial, <laughs> I'll tell you, to Sherlockians. But Doctor Who is an ongoing work in progress. Right. There isn't a fixed can. I mean, there, there are the 60 stories of Sherlock Holmes. And, you know, you could argue about other things that have happened since then. But there are the, the Conan Doyle stories and there. And that's that. And and the, and fans call that the canon and everything else is debatable. you know. <laughs> but in Doctor Who, the canon has always been somewhat, I, I got to use the word, in flux. Okay. I mean, in Brain of Morbius, we saw doctors who couldn't possibly have existed, but there they were in the episode. So all that Chibnall's doing now is going back to that idea from the mid-70s. That's one way of looking at it anyway. Clarence, here's your question. I want you to go at this from a fan's point of view. Pick one of your favorite properties that you like and tell us what it is and, and, and imagine that now you have creative control and you're able to change something. What is that something that you would change if you were able to change it? Oh, man. Yeah, you sent me this question, and really I have no idea. (laughs) You know, other than choosing Star Trek, I said Star Wars is probably one of my other favorite franchises. And I don't know if so much of it being a certain element I'd want to change. I would just think from a story writing point of view i just want whatever they create to all make sense fit in the canon as much as possible without you know wrecking all the lore that that came in his wake so yeah i don't i don't know i don't know it's that's really hard to frame but i really just want great writing regardless whether it's star wars or star trek and try to stay as close to the nature of the franchise as possible without you know, you got to take risk every now and then or else it's going to be boring. And, you know, what, what are we here for if we're just retreading the same thing? You pose Star Trek. So let me pose a question to you. I'm, this is just making it up as, as we're going here. But let's say that we're put in charge of retelling Star Trek lore. And in the next season of Picard, we reveal that Jean-Luc was never the captain of the enterprise that it was actually some alien species that had replicated him and he was not really 
Jean-Luc all along, so we've now said that that was a clone or something. So we've now gone and retold the entire story of TNG. That would be controversial, right? Yeah, certainly. My question to all of us then is, as fans, do we have a right, just because we're fans of something, if we get the ability to put our hand in the whatever the word I'm looking for here, we can now play in the sandbox of these characters. Just because we're fans, does that mean that we have the right to fundamentally change the fabric of what this property is? And could it be argued that any new creator changes said fabric by adding something new regardless? Thoughts? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a... It's an observer's phenomenon. As soon as we uh, participate in it, we've changed it. Yeah, when you add another episode to the series, the story changes. Mm. But but I think your point is still valid. Is there a point at which you just you're just um, going back and wrecking things? You're wrecking things on purpose. You know, I, I well, the the moment I decided that I hated Star Trek Discovery, and I I'm back on the fence about it but there's just so, so many things about that first season that i just hated but we met harry mudd who is a beloved character from the original series in what i grew up with and what i love that, that show harry is not a homicidal maniac he's a lovable rogue and i think that's not fair as a fan i say hey wait a minute you're urinating on my <laughs> my show um who gave you permission to go back into this story, bring out this character that is that is loved by millions, and and tell us that, give us a story about him that is ugly and and awful? In an argument that I heard about something completely unrelated to this, I remember somebody saying, "How would you like it if I told a story like that about your mother?" You know, mm-hmm. that's extreme, <laughs> but but I think some of the feelings are the same. There's there's a limit. Yeah, I don't know where it is exactly, but. Which I think if we do a Doctor Who equivalent, it would be like if you went back and did a one-off about one of the companions and painted the companion in a totally different light, you know? Well, yeah, yeah, that's right. But isn't this, in effect, what Chibnall is doing with the Doctor? Because you are painting the Doctor in an entirely different light. Yeah, but uh, I think what he's doing is worse (laughs) (laughs) if he doesn't resolve it. (laughs) Okay, but because so let me tell you why I even asked these questions and where I was trying to go with this. And and you guys helped tremendously with your answers. I wanted to try to piece in my head as I was looking at the unit return and then seeing what he did with unit in this episode and then thinking, okay, did Chipnall play the long game? Took the risk on fans disliking like I did when we hear that Unit had been disbanded and feeling like he dismissed Unit only to bring it back? Or did he respond to negativity and is playing it off as I'm bringing it back? We'll probably never know. Lee, you made a mention whenever I was talking Sherlock, you brought up elementary. Well, the thing about elementary, which was so glad that you brought that up, was, in my opinion, it was written so well from the character point of view of Holmes and Watson 
that it didn't matter where they were. 221B, yes, is important, but they were written so well as characters in this series that they could have been sitting in San Francisco. They could have been sitting mm-hmm. in Alaska. They could have been sitting right. at the North Pole. It didn't matter. Mm-hmm. They were written so well. Clarence, mm-hmm. your answer was equally as good, in my opinion, because you made the reference of giving reverence to the material that you're now shepherding as a, as a product. What I'm about to say here is nothing more than my opinion. So, you know, I know everyone has one that said, the more I watch Chibnall, even though I'm enjoying Flux, I feel like he is reliving childhood wants and desires of being a teenager, enjoying Doctor Who, and trying to leave his mark in as many areas and facets of Doctor Who that he can go back later and say, look at all the things that I had my hand in while I shepherded Doctor Who. And I don't know if that's the right thing to do. Thoughts? Hmm. Well, yeah, it, it depends on the spirit in which it's done, I think. If, 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 uh, I, I'm, I'm sort of hearing you saying that he's, that is just sort of a, a, a power grab and that he's, he's just, he's doing something vindictive even. Um, and I don't mean it doc- as it, as it's being vindictive. I just mean it mm-hmm. as in, you know, look at me, look what I did, or kind of maybe. Yeah, I, I guess there's always a, a dimension of that. But, I mean, one of the franchises that, uh, that Clarence brought up is Star Wars. I would love for somebody to give me control of that and let me do a whole story that addresses why Ben Kenobi is such a liar. You know? <laughs> the, the, the reason... The, the the IRL reason is because the writing is clumsy. But I would love to try to stitch those things together so that it turned out there was a reason for it. You know? Um, he says he studied with Yoda. He didn't. You know? <laughs> Why tell Luke that Darth Vader killed his father? And then say, oh, uh, you know, psych. He actually is your father. <laughs> you know? Wh- Why? What is the point of all this? Um, you know, he was a pupil of mine before he turned to evil. And I cut his arms and legs off. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't say. I, I just, you know, I, I would love to, to be the guy who got in there and fixed that. Because I just think it's an embarrassing problem. Well, there is a show that's coming up called Obi-Wan, uh, if you didn't. Yes. Yeah, and I, so so I'm, I'm hoping that that's, you know, one of the agendas here is to, to finally uh, address some of those things. But... Um, but yeah, that would be my example is that I, I, I would love to be the guy who, who did that. So yeah, Chibnall may feel like I'm the one who's going to make a Doctor Who exciting again by, you know, opening up uh, the Doctor's past in a way that we haven't before. I don't know. Yeah. And and it seems like, you know, we've been reviewing a lot of, I mean, pretty much did the whole Matt Smith run recently. And one of the things mm-hmm. we complain about is the Doctor being the center of everything Yes. Yeah. And effectively what Chibnall has done, you know, at the end of last season and this season has, he has doubled down on that. The doctor is freaking everything. Literally, (laughs) literally. Yes. And it's going to be the catalyst for our universe being destroyed. Mm -hmm. It, I don't know. It, it, yeah, Tectam says that the, the last, the last, uh, system to go is going to be, uh, 
the Saul system that she she saved Earth for last. <laughs> um, it's like interesting. Mm. Um, <laughs> why not? If if this is what you're pissed off about, why not save Gallifrey for last? But I don't know because the rest of our characters <laughs> are on the Earth, and you know she needs that as a bargaining chip. So yes, yeah, so I guess. But why Gallifrey is already gone? I guess. Maybe. Mm-hmm. And she has these seeds, like sort of like she's going to colonize a new universe. She has the seeds yep. ready to, you know. Yeah. <laughs> what? It's going to start all over again. It doesn't make any sense. And and she, and she her, her plan, she has stated, is to destroy the doctor and everything in her universe. Right. And then right. she says, why don't you come with me? But what? Why? Yeah, what's the motivation huh? here? What's the real <laughs> motivation? Just, I'm going to destroy a universe right. over you, the doc, doctor. That's yeah. that's the reason. Really? Come with me. Yeah, we introduced a virus, and the virus was you. Right. Well, so I want to bring it to the new universe. So, so yeah. here's so, okay. So here's what I would. <laughs> so let me say, even though yes, <laughs> yes, but even though I'm like tear, tearing this apart, I actually enjoyed these scenes because I was afraid that Chibnall was going to leave it like open ended and us not learn anything about division and anything about the Doctor's past. So I was happy to see those scenes. That said, I. I'm echoing everything that you guys are talking about. But the thing that just kind of was odd to me, of all the things for it to be, why was it a fob watch? Well, that's established before, right? I mean, just using what was She heard the voices. Yeah. So that we could all... And and that was a moment that I liked when the camera panned down that display case and we we and I we started to see the Gallifrey in writing on. I said, "Oh, yeah, you know, I like mm-hmm. that." Uh, and but, it was something for us as fans to easy easily recognize. I got to give exactly, that. yeah, right. But we yeah. do know it can be other things because it has been a lighthouse, you know, because that's how uh, Ruth got her memories back. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because remember, she broke the glass. There was the glass that was, you know, that was what the person that I guess her companion that was with her was saying was break the glass. And she broke the glass. And that was when her m- memories flooded back. Yeah. So, yeah. <sighs> so let me ask you guys this at this point. Is there no going back or are we tied now? I, I, I don't see a way that we cannot say that the master was lying. She, Tectaean herself, says, you know, you were the child. So there's no going back, right? It doesn't feel like Unless it. she's lying, too. Yeah, well, unless she's lying, too, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Good point. Good point. So what did you guys think of the multiversal reveal? Just another reveal, or was it monumental? What What did you guys think? I mean, well, we've already established parallel universes in Doctor Who, it just feel like 2021 is now the year everybody's going to address the multiverse. <laughs> and, <laughs> and this particular scene that we get the division headquarters in between the universes is like right out of Dragon Ball Z. I mean, Dragon Ball Super. <laughs> they have something called the Universal Tournament Saga. And it's basically the same thing you saw on screen there. They're in between universes fighting this tournament. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's interesting. 
But I mean, in, in this universe we're in, is she said is the first, or it's called Universe One, of course. But yeah, yeah. it's I don't know, man. It's to Lee's point earlier, we burst at solving some things, but we up the ante again and really I'm just left lost. We really got no explanation of who uh, Azure and Swarm was as well. So I don't know. <laughs> I really don't have lost. Speaking of them, I'm assuming that what they have been doing this entire time was trying to get energy so that they could get to division, get to where they're at. And is, are, are we supposed to believe that if Tecteon is the one who freed him, she would not have any better defenses against his whatever it is that he does than what she did. I hmm. can't fathom that she wouldn't. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Well, I can't yeah, believe she would be killed so easily. Angels. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But she chooses mm-hmm. the single ood to protect the headquarters. Okay. I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And an ood without red eyes at that. That's right. For his own brain. Indeed. Yeah, well. No, I, I did. I just felt like I, I, I just felt like giving up on trying to make any of this make any sense, even within the episode. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're not we're not talking about to me one of the elephants in the room or the the great serpent and the, the grand serpent in the room, which is um, you know, some very interesting scenes with the grand serpent and the at a couple of generations of, of unit leaders. But uh, I, I just ended that thinking. He was there at the inception of Unit, and he's not already in charge? Right. Yes. What, what has he been doing all this time? And then we have this big stare down with Liz Stewart, who says, if you don't stop this right now, I'm telling. <laughs> and you don't want me to I make mean, that call. <laughs> yeah. And that's, I thought, that's about the most impotent <laughs> uh, threat I've heard in a long I What? <laughs> As I get what you're saying, but that was actually my favorite scene. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, it feels like there's a lot of drama in it if you don't think about it too much. But I just thought, wow, we brought back Liz Stewart and this is, she's in a chair saying, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. And, 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 and I got to say this real quick. I think your brigadier and going back to the early days of unit, your, your brain is imprinted on Liz Shaw because it's Kate mm. Stewart. Kate, yes, yes. You're right. I mean, I am but thinking about I, but Liz, I know where yes. you got Liz from, yeah. Liz Shaw. No, you're right, you're right, you're right. It's mm-hmm. Liz Shaw, so I'm thinking of. But yeah, Kate. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's a waste of Kate, is what I'm saying. I was going to ask, are we to assume the Grand Serpent was there all along? I mean, or is this like yeah. an alternate reality thing? I don't know. <sighs> mm. Well, but that, that's really my point. If he's been there, for however long it's been, what has he been doing? Because it doesn't seem to have resulted in anything. Right. Or has it? Dun, dun, dun. Or has it? Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Or now you kind of get my comment that I made earlier about Chibnall wanting to put his mark and put his hand in everything Doctor Who, because what really was there a purpose of 
taking unit away only to bring it back and say, oh, look, but I created a character that created unit. Mm, maybe that's what it felt like to me. You know what I'm saying? Like he could ride back in as the rider on the horse and say, look at, hey, guys, you know, you were mad about uh, unit being gone. I'm bringing unit back. It's been gone. She went dark and it was all of this. And the reason it was is because this character I created that actually helped form unit way back in the beginning. That's how that felt to me. All right. So, gentlemen, I've kind of got to my end of the list. Not kind of. I have gotten to the end of my list. So I'm curious if you guys have any other items before we go into final rating, favorite quote, and favorite scene. Uh, One of the things I've been thinking about is the legacy of the Doctor and the Twelve Regenerations. And if we are to believe of the this new history that Chibnall has bestowed upon us, what, where did the whole 12 regeneration things come from? And if that ever was really a limitation or was it an artificial limitation put on the Gallifreyans or the Time Lords because they were getting too unwieldy, 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 excuse me, can't talk. So yeah, it just made me really think about that and, and it really kind of made me think about just how the Time Lords got to be where they are. I brought it up last week of the time travel and 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 how they actually came about acquiring that ability. It brings up so many questions on the lore, the true lore of the Time Lords um, versus what we've known, you know, for the past since the 60s. Mm. I'm curious, Lee, what do you think? I don't know. I just don't know. So my thought is, well, to answer your question, I believe the the 12 regeneration came. It may have been Robert Holmes that was responsible for that. I know it was during the fourth doctor's tenure, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That it, it may have been, I want to say maybe ambassadors of death. I may be wrong. I may have just be pulling that serial from, you know, out of the air somewhere. Yeah. But... Um, I don't remember which serial it was, but I remember, I think it was Fourth Doctor. Um, and they've even reset it in The Timeless Child. They made reference to the 12 thing, but it was something that was yeah. imposed, not, I don't know why. Maybe they just didn't want to live forever. But you bring up a very valid point or a very interesting point. This almost feels like, to me, as you were talking and making me think about it, it almost felt like you're winding down the story of a character and telling that character's origin because it's about to end. We know Doctor Who's not ending. So my thought is, how does and where does RTD pick up from this? Because you're spilling all the tea or spilling the secrets or whatever you want to call it about the Doctor and... Does does the lack of knowledge help propel or does the more knowledge open up more stories? I don't know. (laughs) Makes my head hurt. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Or maybe the whole whole memory wipe thing is just a thing that's known to be done by the elders of Gallifrey 
but you know they don't really tell the citizens you know it's just something that they do every once in a while to it's just the natural progression of the to, to keep them from uh getting too big or going too far they just do the wipe after 12 generations or whatever i don't know it's just I don't know. I have more questions, man. I'm going to just shut up now. Cause <laughs> <laughs> well, we've seen, we, we need to go back and review one of the classic serials where, um, where shriveled up master is the master, mm. you know, uh, and let you see somebody that's after their 12th regeneration. Yeah. He's used up his stuff. Yeah. And in fact, that's in the deadly assassin. And I just looked it up. That is the, the serial in which the uh, the twelve um, regeneration cycle was established. That, uh, Ooh, assassin. Yep. Yes, the deadly I wonder assassin. If, I know. I wonder if he was assassinating people. Who knows? He was. Oh, cool. <laughs> cool. I haven't watched that one in a while. All right. So, oh, Lee, yeah. what about you? Did you have anything on your list? No, no, and and uh, I'll just go ahead and tell you, I, I have spent this afternoon trying to think of a favorite scene or a favorite quote uh, or even a rating, and I just, I'm stuck. I just, I don't have a favorite scene from this. I don't have a favorite quote. It wasn't, mm-hmm. I, I didn't find th- things quote-worthy <laughs> in the script. Um, you know, so I just, I don't know. Clarence, what about you? What was your favorite scene, or do you have one? Uh, favorite scene. Huh. I do, I seem like I had one earlier. Well, I do like, and just maybe this is purely from a special effects point of view, and I'm always thinking about, I hope we get a good behind the scenes after the season is over, but the, mm. the scene with the doctor as she emerges from her carbonite, and she's Yes. Uh, surrounded by the angels that's that's going to be my favorite scene because i'm wondering like how they pulled that off because the lighting looks so good in that scene <laughs> um and, and it makes me think either they're doing some great green green work there or they have a volume which i don't know if they do or not but it, it i think the the scene there looked pretty fantastic so yeah that would be my favorite scene when she awakens from the carbonite worth noting that we were right about that yeah mm-hmm. yes indeed so I'm going to say I did have a favorite scene because I think Gemma Redgrave did do a great job with the scene that she was given. And while I like it less after our conversation, I still think she delivered it very, very well. I'm not going to uh, quote her scene, but I i mean, that was my favorite quote as well. But um Yeah. I'm not going to read it. I did have it written down, but I've decided not to read it. But I will say that she delivered it well, and it was very believable. And I was happy to see her. So there you go. Clarence, did you have a favorite quote? I'm blinking. I'm blinking. (laughs) Oh, that was cool. (laughs) I did like that, yeah. (laughs) Blink, blink. Blink, blink. All right. So I'm going to ask... Lee, are you still in flux about your final rating? No, uh, I, I, I'm going to. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to give it to. I'm going to give it to uh, two stolen Lupari spaceships. Uh, I think that's the as far as I can go there. 
All right. Clarence, what say you? Actually, my rating dropped over the course of this this review. <laughs> it really did because I can, <sighs> as you made me think on some of the things that happened and me just sitting back and having a popcorn good time with <laughs> with what I yeah. saw, uh, it made me question a lot of stuff. And really, we got a lot of cool scenes, but really no resolution almost in this episode. So, man, uh, I'm going to be at 3.8 Mayan mm. pots that we have to go back and replace at some point and close the entrance. Right. Mm. Interesting. And that was actually higher than I thought you were going. So, wow. Okay. I'm and I'm going to describe my logic here. I really enjoyed it from the popcorn just without thinking. And I am embracing if this is what we're living with. And, you know, I love Doctor Who and I've devoted a lot of time and energy and, you know, just like you guys have to Doctor Who. So, you know, I've got to embrace it if this is the reality and I'm not going to sit every week and just moan and groan about it. So embracing did enjoy but as we started to analyze it, as we've done over the past hour, my thought has gone down. So I'm going to say five is the best. I'm going to give it 2.5. I hope Bell Pepper is not your mama out of five. There you go. Are you going to burn down the podcast if she is? <laughs> I will be having, you'll probably have to recall me to division. I don't know. I don't know what will happen. Who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll just have to take a deep breath after that and revisit (laughs) something else. Who knows? But what I do know is we've done our final rating. We still have one more episode left and we may be coming out singing its praises i hope we are because other i think we can say we've enjoyed this overall but now Mm -hmm. it's time to wrap it all up as you said and enjoy gentlemen thank you for being here thank you for talking this out with us this was an interesting conversation maybe a little deep conversation and in Doctor Who lore, so I had fun doing that. And for everyone listening, if you agreed with us, let us know. If you disagreed with us, let us know that too. We always want to hear from everyone listening, so please give us some feedback. We will listen to it, we will read it, and we will then probably and most definitely, I like don't you know that's kind of a chibinalism. Probably, most definitely, who knows? But we will talk about it on an upcoming episode. And as always. We will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at discussingnetwork.com.